What's up, Crypto Logic Podcast listeners? Welcome back to part two of episode 198 with Prosperity Fund. So we had, yeah, I had to run some errands in the morning, so it kind of had to like <laughs> we had to split it up into a part two, and uh, we're gonna get right into it. I don't know. We just spoke before we got on air, and you know, you have the question that you're gonna ask, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I wanted to find out more about your history. You know, we talked a little bit about mine. I'm just curious how you got into. No crypto. What were you doing before that? You know, what what's your story uh, and how'd you get here? Yeah, of course. So, um, my journey into crypto was uh, was was very um, kind of normal for a lot of people in 2021. It was kind of like uh, like I want to say predictable, but it it was like I, I think a lot of people had that same story as me, right? And it all had to do with Dogecoin. But when it came to crypto, like. I heard about Bitcoin in 2015 from the movie Dope. And I've said it on the podcast, like, since I started the podcast. And the movie Dope, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, very, very yeah. old. It's, it's a movie came out in 2015. It was a funny movie. It's about this kid that's, like, a super smart. He's trying to get into, um, I forgot what the college was. I think it was Yale or Harvard or something. And he <laughs> ends up being a, a, a selling drugs. Right. And then he like converts it into Bitcoin and he wrote this paper at the oh. end. Yeah. He writes his paper and then it's like, can you tell that I started a business and I made like a million dollars, whatever. And it, it was like a cool moral type of story where, but then he, he basically it? So, sold it with, with Bitcoin, right? People bought with Bitcoin. And that's my uh. narrative of Bitcoin. I was like, oh man, like, like I didn't think of it <laughs> as an investment, right? I, I'm pretty sure not a lot. If you're in deep in the crypto space, you probably did. But if you didn't, you thought it was just like, oh, I'm just buying drugs or guns or things in the dark web with it, right? Right. So I didn't see it as a thing to buy and like hold and invest and like it didn't treat it like as, an, as a digital asset. I just thought it was a currency. And then I was like, oh, I don't, well, I don't want to get in trouble buying this. And then people, the government's right. gonna think that I'm a, you know, <laughs> I'm buying illegal things, right? <laughs> I was naive, you know. I was like, yeah, yeah. so I was like that, like it was like seven years ago, right? So. Fast forward, um, I'm an IT guy. I've been in IT. I've, I, I do IT work. Um, the pandemic, I, I moved from IT to then also being like a loan officer, like like for uh, like brokering deals for small businesses. So I was I was making money doing that. And not one time where was I investing. I, I didn't understand financial literacy. Like I had money. I would make money. You know, I had a salary and then I went and got commission based pay and I was just making money. I wanted to go out, I want to hang out with my friends. And you know what I mean? Like I was just right. so naive with my own, my money, like like most people are. Right. Like my parents didn't didn't didn't, you know, it came from, you know, from different co- uh, countries. Right. I'm the first like of my family to, to be born in America. Right. So wow. my background, my father is from Cuba. My mom's from Vietnam. So I'm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it's it's, it's whoop, you know what I mean? So. My dad worked in the dry cleaners for you know my whole like young life until I was like sixteen, then he retired, right? And you know my parents had me late, so like my mom was like 39, 38 when she had me, so she had me like kind of late, late in her mm-hmm. later in her life for the norm. So are you right? the are you the youngest? I'm the youngest, yes. My sister's like forty something. My brother's like <laughs> you know I'm the young, you know, and I, I'm and I'm twenty nine, right? So I was born in ninety two, so. It's very, but I have like a young, I feel like I have a young soul, you know, like people never, I always say right. like every time I tell someone I'm 29, they're like, what? I feel like you're 22 or something, 23, <laughs> but I just have like a young soul. I've always been that way. I just keep my, you know, my youth in me, you know, somehow, I don't know how I do it, but, but yeah, I, I never understood financial literacy, right? So the pandemic right. obviously happened, destroyed a lot of businesses, a lot of people, including the business I was working at, which was in charge of 
getting loans for small businesses and what got shut down the most right. small businesses. So there was no leads coming in. No one was able to qualify for loans. People were getting PPP loans. You were competing right. with the government at that point. If you know, I'm right. getting a loan from the I government. Hear you, right. Yeah. Right. So from there, that's when I was like, well, I I had some money that, that came in that from the job that was paying me, and then you know I, I walked away from it. I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta, I basically got laid off. I was like, I gotta go. Right. So I left, right. had some money to like, like sit on for a little bit. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do? So that's when I started um, finding out about drop shipping. I started drop shipping, started online right. businesses. I used my skills of being IT, being able to build websites. And then I was able to um, basically learn Facebook ads from the ground up. So now I'm like well versed in Facebook ads. I became like a Facebook partner, Google partner, learned advertising. And then wow. um, within a year, right, and this crypto was still not involved. I then started was like, man, I I started to read up on Coach JV, started reading Ray Dalio, like you said, and and Rich Dad Poor Dad. I started consuming that, and I've always been a fan of Gary V, but I went deeper than that, right? And then um, I started right. looking into investing in the stocks. So I started learning about you know put options, calls, all that stuff, right? Right. And right. Buying shares of AMC, buying shares, of, you know, what I'm exactly. like, I bought, I started buying like oil, you know, stock, and I started buying like <laughs> things that were shut down, Dave and Buster's, and things that were like, oh, they're all gonna come back when the pandemic is is gonna exactly. end, right? Add my mm. my mind was in the right place, but it's just the money wasn't, you know what I'm saying? So from there, that was towards the tail end of 2020, going into 2021. We all know Elon Musk starts tweeting about Dogecoin, right? Then that's what I said um, before we cut the podcast cut off. My nephew, he's he's old. It's funny. My nephew's like five years older than me. He texts me saying, "Bro, did, did you buy? Have you bought Dogecoin yet? Buy some right now." And I'm like, "What?" And he apparently bought like three hundred, four hundred dollars worth back in like November of 2020 when it was still under a penny. So right. Dogecoin's already at two, three cents already. So he's already made good, decent amount of money. Nice. And he's like, "It's gonna keep going." <laughs> and that's where I started. I started to then. You don't laugh at me. I bought. I, I had a Robinhood account. I was killed by stocks. So I bought Doge. My first crypto was bought on Robinhood. Listen, everybody starts somewhere. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then so I bought Dogecoin. I was. I had friends that were in the hype too. People that I didn't even talk to for a long time calling me and all over. It's, it was hysteria, bro. I, I don't know if you felt right. that, but it was mass hysteria. It seemed like everywhere you could you look like you would see crypto popping up everywhere. And then that's right. when I took a step back and I said, all right, there's way more to this than just meme coin hype, right? There yeah, has like, to be, this has to be a changing, a changing of a guard, like something new's coming. I sensed it because I'm like, people are hitting me up out of the woodwork out of nowhere just asking me about crypto and asking me like, <laughs> like if I knew. I'm like, I don't know. Like, exactly. Just because I'm a tech guy with, you know, like, so the, the interesting thing about this whole situation was I had friends that were buying it and freaking out when it went to like eight cents down to six cents, down to four cents, back up. They were freaking out. I never freaked right. out. I was just like, no, why would I sell it? Why, why am I going to time them? Why am I doing that? I'm just going to hold and buy when it goes low. I didn't understand. I didn't know what DUIOR means. I didn't know what FUD means. I didn't know any terminology. And I was just feeling like this right. is not the right thing to do. Is like if it goes to eight, nine, and then it goes on to six, and then sell at six because I'm going, oh, I cut my losses. I bought it at two. Oh, at least I took some profits. Like that's when I stopped listening right. to them. And I was like, all right, there has to be more to this than just meets the eye, right? And that's when I started researching. And from there, I learned about CoinMarketCap, learned about CoinGecko, learned about Cointelegraph, learned about Coindesk, learned about VCs. Then I was like, all right, well, what, what else do I need to learn? And I started going on Twitter, and that's when 
crypto, typed in crypto, and I'm like, right down the rabbit hole. Yeah, there's a whole ecosystem out here. There's like thousands of people on here that talk about crypto. I was like, all right, let me get away from all this like hype, Safe Moon and Elon Gate and all these weird names and right. Come Rocket, all these weird names that we're, you know. And I was like, yeah. where there has to be legit tokens out here. And that's when on CoinMarketCap, right. I looked at the top 100. And that's when I saw Ethereum. I was like, oh, I know Bitcoin, right? And then Ethereum, XRP, um, BNB went down. Like, what does BNB do? What does it do? Oh, it's a it's an exchange. Oh, it's an ecosystem. Oh, a BNB has smart chain, has different chains. It can do this. It can do that. Uh, oh, got it. These meme coins are being built on here. And then I started, you know what I'm saying, going down. Yeah, you started, you started yeah. figuring out, putting pieces together. Yep. I mean, for me, for me, it was kind of like, you know, even on your screen right now, on the screen here, yep. on the CryptoLogic pod, you have the coin market cap, right? If you yep. go to the top, the top left corner of the entire page, top left corner, you'll see it says cryptos. There's almost twenty thousand cryptos. Yes, yeah. that 20, number was like twelve thousand when I started last 20, year. Twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I do my lives, I'll usually like mention that, and I'll mention how many cryptos, and it just keeps on getting larger and larger. And in my opinion, ninety-nine percent of all of this will die out, either God. through regulation or a lack of liquidity, people getting smarter, institutional money. And people will ch- people will chase people are just trying to chase gains. Bro, and that's, so when they that's realize what it is. that's what it people is. are when the institutional money comes in, they're gonna see the gains are coming to the ones that are actually real cryptos. <laughs> Bro, that's that's literally what what like like I like was 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 thinking about what I figured out was like okay, there has to be this is a, if this is if like the, the the main question I had was is this here to stay? That was right. my main question. Is crypto as a whole, the blockchain technology here to stay? On top of NFTs, right? Because that's I also dove into NFTs because Gary Vee started talking about it and I got into it and I got really addicted to that, to the two narratives. I was like, yes, it is. Why? Because the the elites, they want to make more money. And this is a new baby asset class that they can potentially take over. But what they're waiting for is regulation. Once regulation 100%. is here, they're going to be able to come in. I've used this, narr- uh, this uh, metaphor before. We, us, as the retail investors... When the car was built, there was no paved roads yet. It was dirt, gravel road, and, and hor- like terrible. There's no street lights or nothing. We're the ones driving the car on the on, on the dis- dis- nasty gravel. That's a, good, that's a good way of they're putting waiting, it. I like that. They're waiting for the traffic lights. They're waiting for the black top to be smooth. Right. Then right. they're gonna boop bust their nice cars off and push us off the road. That's that's right. that's the that's the journey that we're on. We're actually have, have the opportunity to be in 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 front, but the thing is, we have to be in the right ones, and that's where I was like, okay, I just got to be right. in the right ones, and I have to take this. I have, that's my motto: respect the space. Yeah, I have to do my due diligence. I spent, I cut off everything. Like, and I'm a big movie fan. I'm a Marvel fan. A music. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm like into that stuff, right? And I cut all that out, and I researched like six to ten hours. My whole it just, it just consumed my life where I was just researching and learning everything as I can every single day to where I was like borderline crazy. It seemed like because I, I have a lot of grounding. I got a lot of ground to cover. You know, I'm not sure if you're like that or if you've been in crypto for like a long time or what. So, yeah. So for me, I kind of got into crypto. I, I like I mentioned, I was in business school. I got my MBA yeah. at Georgetown in Washington, D.C. So I had, you know, traditional business training and especially on venture capital company startups and entrepreneurship. I did a lot of startup competitions. I won a bunch of competitions. So I learned how to, you know, master the elevator pitch and how to explain things and do research and yeah. compare and contrast. And, and, you know, and I look for weaknesses, look for gains, pain points. And so 
the main thing that I that I was looking for were like, what is a pain point? Are any of these things actually solving a pain point in the economy? Because mm-hmm. you have to understand, right? People are, are sticky. There's something called stickiness. Like when businesses are sticky, it means it's very hard to transition someone away from something else if they're so used to it. However, if you significantly improve it, make it faster, greener, better, and it makes it easier for people to do things or save money, then you have a concept there. So originally, I, I'm still not like I, I believe that NFTs are here to stay, but I'm not like an NFT investor. I usually invest in infrastructure thing, tokens or coins that I believe will play a role in the future of financial system because the way I, just like you had that car example about the market space itself, my example is kind of like between utility tokens and the other cryptos, it's kind of like, you know, during the pandemic, people like toilet paper and Clorox yeah. was like impossible to get. Now we have baby formula shortages, right? Yeah. But like, but like people are, are but like, you don't, you, when you're a tight situation in the economy, people care about the essentials. They don't care about the leisure, like the movies, the, the vacations, you know, the games, you know, all that kind of stuff. So can you make a lot of money on gaming tokens and NFTs? Probably. But when, you know, the market goes down, those are the ones that are going to get battered the most because they're not as essential as, and that's like anything, you know, baseball cards, uh, any type of collectible, you're going to be more worried about putting food on the table, getting gas and making your life successful than doing that. So that's my thinking was like, let me invest in not that toilet paper cryptos, but the essential cryptos, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. The Clorox wipes, the the water, the canned foods, like the things that we need, things that you need, and particularly not only things that we need, but things that solve pain points. So, yeah. one of the things, and, and you were mentioning in, in earlier on in our conversation, you know, like tips on entrepreneurship and startups, and there's a lot of great books I could share. You know, like the Lean Startup, and there's a lot of really interesting books at the Startup of You. These are great, great books on um, entrepreneurships and start venture deals for venture capital. Um, but, but when it comes to this whole space, what, what I've really found is when you're getting involved in a startup, you need to, or, or, and I look at crypto as like a startup. Crypto is basically a bunch of fintech or, or software companies, essentially, yep. promoting yeah. a new type of technology, distributed ledger technology, blockchain, hash graph, whatever it is, tangles, to promote those for solving an issue. Now, if they actually solve a real world issue that isn't already solved now and they can do it better, faster, cheaper, then you've solved a pain point. Because ultimately, you know, the first time, whenever I speak to someone, the young people are very into it, right? Like if you're in your 30s and under 20s, 30s, even teens, crypto is like all the rage. If you're like, you know, 50 plus, they're like, what's all this crypto about? What does it actually do? You know, why do I need this? You know, so to the question. So I think that if we want to bring more institutional adoption, we need to showcase what is the need here? What is the utility here? So that's why I feel more confident investing hard-earned capital and funds into utility cryptos that have a real-world solve, real-world clients, real-world customers, and real-world growth. And that's kind of how we got into the whole XRP thing because, you know, we know that Ripple uses XRP in their technology stack and in their ODL, on-demand liquidity platform, and that had an 8x like, in the past. <laughs> so like that to me is like showing real market adoption growth, certainly outside of the United States, but um, hopefully after the case concludes or settles, that would advance exponentially if the United States gave the clear. Go ahead. Yeah, that's, 
that, that was awesome fire that was fire man that was great like that that is like that that's like we like you said like that's very critical for the institutions to get in like what is what pain point is it is it is it is it solving right and i also thought about this a lot too is in regards of thinking of this as other networks or softwares it's like one token can say they'll fix this problem right another mm -hmm. one can pop up that has the money that has the backing of vcs or anything like that sponsorships partnerships and can can basically do what that one can do but better and faster because it has the money and i i, I kind of relate it back to how when we had the app wave when everyone was like oh build an app build an app that was like a thing but before that it was websites <laughs> build a website build a website yeah you need to have a website and then and then it was oh you can we build an app can, can that be an app what are, what are app ideas right people were thinking about making an app for everything right Right, and we're at that point now where it's literally an app for anything. If you, if you think about it, like, literally, <laughs> you know, like you go find a, a girlfriend on an app now, right? That's like normal. That's like normal now these days, right? So, in a sense, so that's how I look at it as that in that regard, where where where, where it's a new wave of 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 developing, right? Developers, we went to websites, right. at, apps, and now crypto. Like, what token can you can you create that's going to solve a certain problem? And I look at it like this: it's like think about the 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 last few dominant social media apps or apps in general google right. buys youtube takes that over and now google's owned owns youtube YouTube's one of the most the best place to post a video like informational to create a, a show or anything like that right um yeah. and then you had um uh, snapchat right and they wanted to um when they launched uh was it stories instagram wanted to buy snapchat right. snapchat That's said crazy. no Instagram said, okay, we'll make our own version of stories. Wiped out Snapchat, basically. No one really uses Snapchat, right? And Facebook bought Instagram. Facebook saw right. Instagram was like, well, we're going to buy Instagram. They bought Instagram. And then Vine, Twitter bought Vine. You know what I mean? And they, they just consumed yeah, them. Crazy. They consumed them. And then Musical.ly wasn't, was, I, I can't remember the history on that, but I think wasn't TikTok, didn't TikTok, that company buy Musical.ly and then they rebranded it to TikTok? Like a company took over music. I'm not sure. I'm not sure on the background of that, but yeah. Yeah, something like that, right? We see this all over the place. And um, Facebook buying WhatsApp. Like these innovative, amazing technologies comes out, and then the, who wants to buy them? The big boys. The big monopoly ones. They wanted to consume them and take right. them over. And, some, and sometimes that's actually the game plan for these young startups. Sometimes the startups, their game plan is get enough runway to either become yeah. successful enough that they don't want to sell their company or – basically get bought out like they some of these yeah. companies startups design themselves just to get bought out eventually and get incorporated that's both. exit plan their exit plan yeah, that's but their exit plan the thing that's beautiful about crypto is i think in a, in, a, in a decentralized landscape is that instead of being consumed by them they can bridge and work with them where i look at a, uh, avalanche and xrp there's a bridge right. there now now there's a bridge right and you could look at um it's big news, dude. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Polygon and Ethereum, right? These tokens are, oh, we want to help Ethereum connect to other networks. And that's why I was saying, like, the world and crypto eventually will need to be interoperable. You you can't exist on one ecosystem forever. You can't just be on Binance and just live on Binance. You need to be able to move your USDT or whatever or die from Binance to Ethereum network. You need to be able to do that smoothly and transition, like, right. effortlessly. And safely. And safely, and safely. Yes. That that's that's the power of crypto at its most truest form is being able to to send money all around the world easily and safely. 
So if I have Dai over here in Ethereum and you, but you use, you have Avalanche, I, I should be able to swap it and switch it and send it to you and you should get it no matter what. You shouldn't have to download this and do that and all this extra stuff, which is what a lot of people are having to do right now. You know, you know what I mean? You go down this swap, that swap, that wallet. It's oh, crazy, this is connect with this one. Eventually, we'll be, we'll, I think there will be an ecosystem where everything is, is basically interoperable, agnostic, to where everything is just one in a sense. But I don't know. Right. So the, that, that's the big debate. The big debate I think a lot of people have to really think about when it comes to crypto is like, you know, a lot of like I happen to like you know coins like Quant and uh, yeah. and I like you know Chainlink and things that, that are interoperability. Um, I have yeah in, in a in a bull market. I'll tell you, you want to all my all the cryptos that I hold in a bull market potential season, like when we're going up, would in, would include Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP. Uh, let's go through the list. Algorand, XLM, HBAR, ICP, DAG, Chainlink, Quant. Um, I, I, there's definitely a lot of, of cryptos out there that have XDC, a lot of interesting you know, potential and use cases. So I try to stick to the utility or infrastructure cryptos as well as maybe interoperable cryptos. But again, the whole concept behind there's definitely going to need to be interoperability. But the question is, do you need a separate interoperability token to accomplish that interoperability, will there just be bridges automatically that do that? Uh, for example, Ripple, for the XRP ledger, I think, or, or the XRP ledger on its own, they have the interledger protocol, the ILP. Yeah. And so yeah. they might already have built in cross collaboration built into these networks. But um, the, you know, we were mentioning this this Apex um, Avalanche bridge. So basically, what happened was a lot of people in the market they looked at the situation of it's called cross chain or multi chain. There's different approaches here. But essentially, what, what's happening is people were trying to send you know, stuff across for interoperability, but a lot of times people got hacked and lost money yep. and because yeah. they, they weren't secure bridges. So the cool part about this whole um, Avalanche XRP bridge through Apex Bridge is that it's an insured bridge. So they're using insurance to protect the bridge and they're like stress testing it. So the yeah. insurance yeah. agency is not going to cover it until they stress test the network for hacks. And then once that happens, then they'll do that because you can't have a situation where I believe, I don't, I think it was Solana. I mean, Solana's gotten, you know, <laughs> Solana shut Solana. down today. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I said it, I said it a few times already. And uh, could I be wrong in the future? For sure. Could it be startup start glitches? Fine. But my opinion right now is that Solana is the catfish of crypto because it looks good. It's got the venture money, but it just keeps on going down. You know, bridge they have hacks. Much VC backing too. They just I wouldn't, if, and I have, and I'm now running a fund. I would never touch Solana as a fund manager. Period. Yeah. If I saw something went down multiple times, multiple times, and it has bridge hacks, and then I'll, alternatively, I have something like an Algorand or an XRP that never goes down. Why never. would I ever in a million years go for Solana? Yep. It makes no sense. They might throw a good party. I meet a lot of influencers. I'm not, I'm not here to hate on someone's bags. Don't think I'm trying to take away your bags. I'm just trying to protect, you know, you know, the long-term investment here because it, if you were an institutional company or fund and you had a hundred million or a billion dollars to invest, are you going to invest in something that goes down eight times in a year and, and that gets hacked? Are you going to invest in things that function? I mean, that's kind of why I like XRP, Bitcoin, Ethereum. They're battle-tested. Yeah, they're, they, they, they've been around for a decade, right? And that's still not even considered a lot of time in the world of business, but at least they have a, a track record. Whereas these yep. newer guys are, they can all just be pump and dumps. And that's why you have to be so careful. That's the, that's the, another, one of the biggest things, the pump and dumps. It's, it's scary. Like, 
the, it's scary. the wild wild west right now and that's like you said 99 percent of these wiped out and i i totally agree with that that's that's what it's gonna take to see the trillions and trillions of money that flows in here the retail investors aren't gonna get it there it's gonna be the the the, the people that with the wealth the billionaires the multi-billionaires right. they're the ones and the funds the hedge funds and, and and the VC venture capitalists that that's the type of money that's going to take crypto from a one point two five trillion dollar market to a ten uh, trillion dollar market. I'll tell, I'll tell you something. I had a conversation with uh, a multi millionaire billionaire investor, um, and I was you know talking to him about crypto, and I was talking talking to him about my whole investment thesis or kind of how I approach crypto and investing in fintechs and everything. And he's like, you know, I saw these like, you know, teenagers invested in NFTs are making so much money. Why don't you create an NFT for me? And I was like, you know, I could like, I'm not so into NFTs because I, I don't know how they perform during a bear market because they usually drop the most. And the question is, you know, how effective are I? I definitely think there's a place for NFTs. The question is what kind and how many and under yep. what conditions, you know, in the marketplace. But he's like, I don't care. He's, <laughs> he's got, these guys were just like, if you can make money doing it, so I have kind of two different approaches. I think that the individual risk on investor that's wealthy might be willing to, you know, make the bets. And I think those are the people that are investing in, you know, major NFT projects. And, and you do have, you know, brands because they don't want to feel like they're missing out. So they're definitely going to get in the, in the NFT craze and everything like that. But I do think that like the institutional money, I don't see them buying an NFT. I see them maybe buying the, the infrastructure behind an yes. NFT. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't see like maybe they would invest in something like an open sea or a, or some sort of exchange that helps promote those, but I don't see them ever getting yeah. involved. Yeah. And they're not gonna buy a board ape. You know what I mean? Only not. It's, 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 individuals it's, would like that's that's what right. we've seen so far. Like like NBA players, actors, musicians, um, they'll individual people will buy particular NFTs and stuff like that. And it's like it's like I don't know. It's not per. It's like buying art, right? For a lot of them. And some right. have utility, some don't. It's still too early to create real utility. Gary Vee's proven that you can do utility with it, right? You buy the NFT, you hold it, you get, that's your ticket to go into his event every year, right? And obviously, exactly. musicians, you get tickets for, for 30% off merch for life as long as you hold this NFT, or you get one free ticket a year to go to my concert in your hometown or something like that, right? right so that's where an NFT, in my opinion, makes sense. Yeah. So, like, that that can play in, um, whereas um, people can drop NFTs with music, on it, you have ownership of it, right? It creates creates ownership, and that's that's the good part about it. Obviously, there's a lot of those profile picture ones where you buy and you have to buy it based on scarcity and, and hopefully supply and demand. Oh, there's none left on the market. If you really want this NFT, you're gonna have to overpay for it, just like shoes. If they drop 200 pairs of Jordans, and this is the only time they're ever gonna drop it, that the value of those 200 shoes are gonna go up as long as people want them. If they're ugly and no one wants them, then then value's not gonna. And it all depends on that last that first guy that sells them or the last guy that sells them. If, if the market is someone's bidding $10,000 for one and one guy says, well, I'll sell mine for $1,000, you just lowered the floor price to right. nine grand, right? It's like there's so many dynamics to it, but that's how NFTs play in and, and it depends. And I, I one real quick thing I was reading somewhere where it says that with NFTs and certain tokens, Web3 basically, that could be the new version of a Patreon, for example. Like if you build a, 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 a community NFT plat, uh, project or a community token for your community, you can turn that into a way of making it like a Patreon because mm -hmm. you can offer things just like a Patreon. Hey, you pay me $10 a month and you get exclusive content. You get exclusive things, 
live streams, shout outs. The NFT is the same thing. You hold this NFT, you get so so and so. And it's like it's like a private access card yeah, kind of to like yeah. extra things. And they're basically banking on but see this is where it gets interesting because now they're banking on your success as an influencer. So imagine you have your own NFT platform and you start it now with your twenty thousand followers and you say, Hey, with this NFT, you get to go on my live stream whenever you want. You get uh thirty percent off merch for life as long as you hold this. You get um, meet and greet with me whenever I'm, you know, when I when I have a conference, right? You have a co- crypto right. conference, and then you, in a year, two years from now, you grow and have three, you end up having three million followers, and you blow up. Now that how valuable is that NFT now? Because now you're in, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So that's why it's like, wow, like, that could really happen. It's, it's like kind of like version. rookie cards. Like I don't know if you ever yeah. collected like sports cards, was, but for yeah. me, it's like Pokemon you know, cards. You had a, cards, yeah. a Ken Griffey Jr. or yeah. like. Uh, he goes or like a Michael fame. Jordan or a LeBron, <laughs> you know, rookie card. Like when they first started, no one really cared, you know? Mm-hmm. But now it's like, whoa, you know, a rookie card, PSA 10. It's like, yo, Logan Paul will show <laughs> up at the WWE with that. The gold star in the, in the, the cup, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So like, so that's kind of, uh, that's kind of, I know I'm going to say something that I think is a little, a little out there, but I think it's true. Um, I think, and uh, don't get upset, Bitcoin Maxis. Do not get upset at me. I still plan on holding Bitcoin and, you know, in my portfolio, but. I look at Bitcoin as a rich person's NFT. It is. It is. I, I just think that that's what it is. Meaning, because what's the logic behind an NFT? Okay, this is not the non-utility-based NFTs. Exactly. Yeah. Scarcity, social status, etc. So now you're telling rich billionaires, there's only 21 million Bitcoin. You're only the richest and you know most successful business people have this Bitcoin in their in their thing. Of course, I have a Bitcoin. You know, so I have a couple. I, I see it. I love Bitcoin. Um, so like, that's kind of how I see it because from a payments perspective, Bitcoin is horrible. I mean, let's be real. Definitely. Bitcoin is good because it was the first mover and it does have the benefit of, its benefit is actually it's negative. So like the benefit of it is that it's decentralized and they use mining. So therefore it can't just be thrown away so easily. Uh, the negative is it's so energy intensive that I mean, as the world moves more towards this green energy movement, um, you're going to see that as a conflict. And you already see it happening as a conflict. Like the SEC is now having people have S, uh, ESG disclosures, which means environmental social governance. It's basically a uh, corporate term for like, we're green. We're very green energy here. So, so that is something you, you need to be aware of. But I would still hold Bitcoin as store value. The thing with stores of value is... You have to be really careful. Like what happens if someone else five, 10 years from now creates uh, another type of coin, you know, Bitcoin plus or something, (laughs) right? And it only has 10 million tokens. So now it's even more scarce. And it also uses miners. Yeah, it's more scarce. It has more. uh, And so now it's like, well, I want that. Is this silver now? Let's go. Like, so there's a whole thing. You can look this up, like tulips seashells in history different things yeah, were valued yeah, as stores of value it. right yeah. so it's like and i'm not talking about like you know the rose from beauty and the beast you know what i mean yep i'm talking about just regular tulips so you have to understand that stores of value can change over time and so for me it's like am i gonna put my entire net worth into something that is uh that is basically determined by the market conditions you know yes it's digital but like could any, anything could be scarce and have value and value can change over time. Different societies value different things. We value Bitcoin because we think that it's scarce and we're looking for a sense of security when we have these crazy markets 
Uh, oh yeah, you're pulling out the tulip, right? Yeah, I've seen an art. I've seen a, I've seen an artwork of it where tuna went went crazy, like smart right. money, institutional investors. Yeah, so it's like, well, what what is the value of Bitcoin? Like and 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 what makes me nervous is that, you know, I definitely would have Bitcoin in my portfolio. Don't get me wrong, and I would be looking for like you know the, the winds to change, you know, societal or political winds to change in the sense of are they going to go against these energy intensive cryptos? So you already start to see, you know, Elon Musk saying, well, we can try to test it out with, uh, you know, green energy or solar energy or volcanic energy in El Salvador. So those are the only things that I see as the outs. If that doesn't get taken on, Bitcoin is done, in my opinion, because we know the world, whether you like it or not, is just moving towards a more green thing. You know, it's basically the whole globalist versus the populist. The populists are all like, we want to take care of our people now. And the globalists are like, we got to think about the future and protecting the environment. And who doesn't want to protect the environment? Now, I'm not getting into the whole debate about whether climate change is, is, is climate change is real. The question is how much of it is man-made cause versus, you know, yeah, on its own. Yeah. And that's, that's really what that whole debate is about. But I don't want to get into that. But the point is, <laughs> the point is that like you have, the people that are currently in power, particularly in America are very pro green energy. So you got to be smart about your investment. Like, you could be like, this is the greatest libertarian thing in the world, but, is that going to last you 10 years? I don't know. So I think in the short term, there's so much excitement about it and it has the regulatory clarity as a security. Like I mentioned in, in part one of, the, of our series here was that, you know, Bitcoin's got that regulatory, regulatory clarity that it's not a security, but it has this energy problem. And that's why Ethereum, I believe, is moving to proof of stake because they realize that yeah. uh, we have the same problem as Bitcoin. Proof of work doesn't work yeah. when, you have, uh, when you have a large amounts of transactions that are occurring, a large volume of transactions. That's why Ethereum keeps on bottlenecking. And therefore yes, they're, they're yeah. making it proof of stake because they realize, A, it'll protect them from the green energy people in power and it'll be more efficient. And scalable. And so, yeah, scalable, it's faster. So that, that's kind of where I see this whole thing. And I think that XRP had the head start in that in that way. And then the lawsuit. And so that's, that's where it gets into this whole, like was yeah. the lawsuit a weapon to help basically give Ethereum more time to catch up. Because Ethereum would have been wiped off the face of the earth. If XRP never went, if Ripple never went to the lawsuit, I think Ethereum would have been wiped off the face of the earth in a sense. XRP would have just been utilized and been the, the place to just buy your NFTs, OpenSea. The, the universe would have been completely different. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, in, in two years' time, in two years' time, maybe. But think about it. Like, that's how I wonder, like, can, is the XRP ecosystem something that can be utilize not just as a means of um a bridge for for for, for currency in regards of um using their inter, uh, their ledger for for banks and stuff like that right is it possible that they, an ecosystem can exist on the xrp ecosystem similar to how ethereum is being utilized with that it's smart a very contracts? good question and and yeah and i think that when um i was actually reading this that i think vitalik buterin from ethereum was like crashing on someone's couch and maybe was thinking about being an intern at Ripple or something. Yeah. And then he ended up leaving to go do smart contracts and Ripple was more focused on payments. Now Ripple, by the way, is bring, they're, they're, they're planning, uh, well, not Ripple, I should say, the XRP validators on the XRP ledger have um, are basically voting on this XLS20, which will allow native uh, NFT capability on the XRP ledger. So XRP can do it all. I see is expanding by leaps and bounds in different areas. And from what I was reading earlier, there is the ability to do those types of things. And plus with all these bridges, you'll have access. So like, for example, you, you mentioned this whole avalanche XRP connection. Well, the apex bridge, if you look that up, 
a lot of these other uh, platforms will use something called wrapped tokens or wrapped XRP in this particular case, which you would think, oh, well, that's not XRP. So how does that help XRP? Well, the answer is what well, to, to wrap a token, they have to take the other token out of circulation. So it's basically like putting it like almost like in a, in a, I guess you could say like in a special box on its own, um, kind of like an escrow almost like yeah. of, of where that is. And because of that, that actually affects supply and demand, which is what drives price. You know, if you study any basic economics, you'll know that supply and demand are the key factors. You know, how much is there supply? How much is there demand? That's why it's not enough just to look at like the fundamentals of the project. You got to look at the tokenomics, um, things like coin market cap, coin gecko, or good source of Definitely read, definitely read what's going on. You know, I was saying we were talking about um, the Apex Bridge and how, you know, uh, they were basically allowing XRPL, the XRP, you know, network, basically interact with Avalanche, which is also another fast ecosystem. And yeah, I love Avalanche. Things, things, the more you see things like that, the more you see like, well, why are they doing that, right? Are are, are they doing that because they believe that it's going to help their platform? I mean, think about it. Everyone has an incentive to do something, right? Uh, from their perspective, XRP's perspective, it helps XRP, right, development, because more people will have XRP in circulation. From the Avalanche perspective, they're getting, they, they basically, they want to have like a mutually beneficial relationship. Avalanche wants more, more people to use their platform. XRP wants people to more use their platform. And so that interoperability is, is a key function. And that's why, as much as I love Quant and Chainlink, I have questions on like, you know, are there going to be systems built in that are going to be free, you know, to interoperate these things versus those other systems? So don't get me wrong. I'm still bullish on Quant. I'm still bullish on Chainlink, um, possibly Flare. As soon as it comes, I have to look more into that. But a lot of these interoperability, you know, solutions, they're definitely good. Solo. I think Quant is Yeah. So what did you say? Solo. I meant to... Oh, yeah. Sologenic. Sologenic, yeah. Yeah, they have the Sologenic. I mean, there's so much... Um, got that free airdrop though yeah <laughs> i i i've already announced this before i'm building uh nft collection all and it's gonna be on sologenic oh really yeah what's your what's your nft collection gonna be on it's gonna be xrp it's gonna be xrp family ah, <laughs> it's gonna be it's go. dope i this is my first i've announced it before but that's the first time that uh, i'm gonna say it here it's we're we're working by the studio. The Bear Studios is is the studio that's working on the artwork right now. It's gonna be the so cool. family. It's gonna be care like people with traits and stuff. It's gonna be five hundred eighty nine of them. I'm dropping a hundred. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, I'm that's dropping one hundred eighty nine. Eighty nine are gonna be. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna get you one. You're gonna. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I've already definitely, I've already definitely. like planned it out where eighty nine is gonna be the XRP family and friends. So eighty nine of those mm. will be characters based off of the people who I'm, I'm gonna make them off of so it'll look like you so, be, cool. you know, so people who are xrp supporters of, of you know you know and and people who support me i'm gonna make that i'm gonna mint them one and, and just transfer it over to you that's so cool so like that's awesome yeah it's pretty dope i'm very i'm like super i'm like been trying to like I, bite I my excited, tongue on man. it I, i've been <laughs> I, you know i haven't ventured into the whole nft space as much right now but i mean long term i'm obviously gonna have to do some more deep diving maybe you'll teach me a little bit more about oh, of that of course yeah it's awesome, man. It's it's cheap on XRP, right? Obviously, everyone knows OpenSea. My second, I have another collection I'm working on behind that, but that one's gonna come out later. But this one's like the primary one on XRP. I've already done my research, and it's gonna be on Sologenic. Super cheap, super efficient. The way that it, like it could be done by one person, right? But I I was uh. um, grateful enough to be able to link up with um, Bear Studios. He's there. His team is gonna help put this vision in my head to reality. So. 
Yeah, I'm, I can That's help awesome. you with anything. You know, it's, it's so. So, if you were to walk someone through an example of how would they purchase your NFT, what do they need to do? Like, give me well, the one, two, three. The first thing is you got to get the Solo Genic Wallet, the Solo Dex, right? And then, okay, so that's um, the app. Yeah, it's an app. So uh, let me go on the website. So you got to get the app, right? Super, super simple. You get the yeah, app. Yeah, I, I got the app, yeah. Okay, perfect. And then you would basically create your wallet or your um, NFT wallet if you're not if you don't have one already and basically link it through the app and the website. So this is only available on the web, on, on um browsers like on the computer browser right the, the, the marketplace so this is basically xrp one of xrp's versions of OpenSea. that's how i look at it as got it so now there's a marketplace here it's still very new very fresh very new and that's why i'm like well i gotta take advantage of being one of the originals out of the you know the few hundred or thousand that are on here so this is where you would go and i'm gonna drop super cool yeah i'm gonna drop the collection on here i'm gonna drop it as you can mint all of them at once however much you want and it's super cheap right xrp is cheap so yeah. <laughs> it probably costs like 50 cents and i'm gonna drop the collection and you'll be able to click on it and then purchase your one that i set i'm gonna obviously set them as a set price and then from there if they sell out they sell out, and then you have to rebuy them, right? And and I can do whitelist. That's so cool. It's awesome because I can do whitelist within the the Sologenic, uh marketplace, so I can give people a time frame of like, oh, okay, you, you're you're guaranteed to get it at this price uh, for the next you know sixteen hours, fourteen hours, whatever, or a day. And after that, if someone snags them all up, whatever they want to resell it as, they resell it as, right? But so I'm is not... Sologenic like the best place to get NFTs on the XRP ledger system? It's one of my favorite. It's one of the most simple and my favorite. And there's another one that I was looking into, but for some reason, Sologenic for me was just was just I just it's just a better a yeah, better fit. The way the way the way um the way that it, that I the way that you can just launch an NFT collection on here is just so so easy and seamless for me and i was like all right yeah obviously there's a lot like you know what i would love if I'm you could ready. make videos on on the process that you do this oh yeah that's... that would be so i feel like that would be so interesting as like an observer to be like you know a lot of people learn about nfts they buy nfts but mm -hmm. like like like, a, like a, yeah like how, like how do you create your own nft on xrp or anything like like a like a like a, like a few short episode series that would be something that would be interesting to me because then i could like first of all you're sharing your own journey but then you're also like you know, showing people what it's all about, which then also increases the marketability of yeah. the idea. That's what I, I want. You know, like I love, that's why I love speaking when I do the podcast, speaking to other content creators, because sometimes I feel like, like, man, like none of my, a lot of my friends aren't content creators, right? And I have some that, that try or whatever, but like speaking to another content creator that, that just wants to give me their honest opinion is like something that I'm so grateful for being in the crypto space. Because yeah, because I'm always I'm always a perennial learner. I mean, the, the, one of the most successful people, exactly. all the most successful people are constantly reading and learning. You never I, want to I, be I the today, smartest guy in the you room. Know, I have an MBA. I have a George. You know, you could say, oh, he's a fund manager. What is he? I have to constantly be learning. If you want to be at the edge and the frontier of technology, you need to be constantly learning from everyone and anyone yep. at any time. No matter, no no matter, matter who they are. So yeah. Right. 100%. And just because, like, it doesn't mean that just because you have a degree or you're fine, doesn't mean you know every single particular, right? And, and it's different markets. So you have, you know, you might have an, you might think, well, hey, I didn't do X, Y, and Z, and this other guy did, or vice versa, or she did this and he did that. But you have a unique talent and knowledge that perhaps other people who aren't as familiar are just like, hey, I want to learn more about this. This guy can teach me about this. So that's why I think it's, it's very useful because there, there's a generational gap, but there's also a, interest gap meaning convince me 
maybe do a video on like, hey, why would anyone buy an NFT? Then how do you make an NFT? Something like that. I'm sure there are videos out there, but certainly doing it for someone in the XRP community allows them to kind of open their minds. Because most people, when I think NFT, I think Ethereum, Polygon. Right. You think expensive, you think time consuming, you think the traditional marketplaces, you're not thinking these new platforms. So it's a good opportunity to like, I guess, showcase that. That's why I'm like so excited that being an XRP investor and being someone that loves XRP and in general, right? See something like this being out there for anyone can just who who, an artist, a musician, anybody who has some type of talent, anything you can tokenize it and turn it into an NFT, and and that's why I was like, man, like I was even thinking about when I I want to successfully launch it, just launch it. Doesn't have to sell out. Doesn't have to do anything, right? Just launch it, and I want to create videos on it, like you said. And I was like, the thing is, is like when to do it. Like, do I do it? Because my the artwork is being designed right now, so it's not. I don't have um. The artwork ready yet i'm building that out i want to i'm getting the first 189 and i'm doing 100 a, a drop of 100 every like few months so i'm slowly Super dropping cool. the 589 over time not all at once so kind of creating that scarcity factor and then obviously with that i'm going to have utility with it and basically whoever supports crypto logic will eventually you know will reap the benefits as i grow as a content creator and then other things i'm going to add on to it right that's like my, my version of patreon I, I don't have a patreon or anything like that this right. is like my version of it. So right. like, oh, buy my XRP for like 50 XRP, 100 XRP, whatever. And then if someone, if someone wants to offer you 500 for it, sell it. You, you Either way, you win. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? So buy three <laughs> or four of them. You can flip it. Like if it sells out, it sells out. You can flip it. You know, that, that's... It's I just, gotta get more into the whole... It's so it, cool, I, man. Honestly, <laughs> if, I, if I had more time, I would totally do that. Yeah. Um, but I'll like, make some videos I, I kind of I kind of envy guys like you who are who are like more into the NFT space because to me, it's a space that I'd like to get into, but with time constraints, it's harder. So like getting someone, you know, that I know that's part of the XRP family or someone like that, it, you just feel a little bit more confident with what they're saying because you know that they're a well-researched investor. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's, that's why I was like thinking, I was like, okay, like, do I document this? Like, like how do I start just making videos? Do I wait till someone telling you? When do I? The average in- Crypto investor, particularly XRP, are not necessarily, you know, there's a range. I've seen people that are on my channel that are, you know, middle-aged and seniors to as young as teens. So it's yeah. it's a very big range. And so you might think that, like, oh, you talk about NFTs, you might be losing half the crowd without explaining all the details. So that's why it's like, there. you have to remember, like, you know, the, one of the biggest lessons in public speaking is know your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Know your audience. So, like, knowing your audience and then kind of sharing with that. You know, you'll see, you'll see what what takes, but I would definitely be interested in learning more about it. So I could, I can right, imagine perfect. many other people would. would and be. I, 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 I will bring my own flavor to it. NFT family. That's a new <laughs> XRP family with NFT. I don't know, but like that, that was my only dilemma. Is like, well, I don't have. Like, should I at least wait for one of my for some of my artwork to be done so that I can showcase it? Because I wanted to do a roadmap and everything. Like, or do I just automatically just start saying, hey, the XRP family collection is coming? Like, uh, that's the thing. I'm like, man, like. I don't know when when is the time. I'm just building it behind the scenes, and then waiting to to have a lot to of content to make, right? Whereas like, all right, I'm already on like step seven. Now I can start documenting from what I did on step one, and then by the time right. I get to step seven, I'm already probably on like step twenty five. So I have more content to make. That's that's how my brain is like trying to figure out where I just do step one. Right. Record, and my biggest thing is like record. what I like to see for like in a video, especially an explanatory video, is like you know something where it's like if they give you the overview, like this okay. is these are the steps, and then we go like. Okay, so that way you can kind of go through each one step by step, but they already know what like how that fits into the larger scope. 
and that that's how I think. Does it have to be and, done already, or or, or is something that hey, no, this is what you I'm can just make an done. overview of how you're gonna how ah. you're gonna do it, and then you kind of do it. Because then it's like a journey. I don't know what the next step is going to be, or how many steps they're gonna be. So if I know that this is like okay, this is a three-part series or a five-part series. Yeah. I know, yeah. I'm not like, oh, shoot, episode 179. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to fly for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you for the 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 tip. Like, I'm going to do it now. Like, you're motivating me to, because I've been keeping it under wraps and I've been Ooh, biting my gotta, tongue. You got to get out there, man. I, I just want to like, let people know it's coming, you know? And, and I, I want to have that first, like, he's building, he's, he's Guys, drawing. Guys, check out Cryptologic Pods. <laughs> <laughs> I want to show know. that first character, and then I want to have obviously like I'm gonna like you. I was gonna ask you after the show, like, hey, like I'm building NFT collection. Do you want one? You know, and I'll you know I'll send you. Of course, one. I want one. Yeah. yeah, then it'll be your you know and XRP family. You know, just look just like you, and then I have like Dude, other I people. That I'm, I'm, I'm getting I'm like getting Mason more interested in NFTs as I as I uh, progress in the market. Awesome. But yeah, and your like my my thing is for you guys for the people that the XRP family and friends, those ones are gonna be super rare because there's only eighty nine of them, right? Mm. So I'll have some like friends um, that are into crypto that I'll have some, and then I'll have obviously the content creator friends, right? The people that I've met through the podcast, like you, Mason, and anyone else that's in the XRP, right? Um, crypto Insight, Crypto with Leo, they're all you know they'll all have one, and it's like in a sense for you guys, it's gonna have value for you because there's only 89 of it and, and hey if someone wants to offer you ten thousand dollars or, or ten thousand go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i don't know right it has nothing to do with me the question me. is are you are we gonna be like looking back five years and be like i spent 100 xrp on <laughs> on pizza man what did i do yeah. <laughs> but but the thing about that's cool about Solgenic that that's cool uh, that a lot of people uh, some people don't like is that they don't have the fees like uh not the fees but like the residual earnings like OpenSea does. So like OpenSea, so if you create an NFT platform uh, collection on, on OpenSea, you get 15% or whatever of every sale that's made. So regardless of- like a royalty. It, yeah. I, I, Sologenic as of now doesn't have that yet. So it's basically just the the <laughs> the initial support right now. Right now it's all support. So me as a creator, I, I dropped the collection, right? Obviously there's a, the way it works is, is, is the XRP collect you're you're basically buying the XRP from the collection. You and buy it with XRP, or you buy it. You can buy it with XRP or solo. Okay, got it. Yeah, so you can use solo tokens or use XRP tokens. So that's gotcha. and some people are like, I'm not gonna give them my XRP, but at the end of the day, think about it like this: if that NFT ends up, if XRP <laughs> like you bought that 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 uh, NFT for 100 XRP, that's the original mint price, the original price. All of a right. sudden, people are it sells out. People are buying. And the floor price is rising now. The cheapest one that you can get at resale value is seventeen thousand XRP. Now it's like, well, I have seventeen thousand XRP if I sell this, and if you sell it, you get the seventeen thousand XRP, and XRP wins a lawsuit. XRP goes up to seventeen dollars. You know what I mean? Like it's just a conundrum of of things that can happen, or you can just hold it. You can hold it for hundred XRP, and you know what I mean? I don't know. It's like that's the that's the fun thing about. Where do you store it? You store it on the solo decks, or do you put it like you put it on a ledger, or like how does that work? I, as I think you can put it on a ledger. I'm not sure when that 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 feature was available. I think it should be available now. But you basically store store it on your wallet. So basically, yeah. your wallet that you have that's that's on your phone, it'll be linked to the website. It'll basically be there. So like like if you click on one of these NFTs, um, 
This no one's bought this yet, but you can see the transactions here, right? They listed it for 35 XRP. So he created it. No one's bought this one yet, right? Three days ago. So this is a new collection. Right. So if you bought this, this will go to your wallet. It'll say that you're the owner. So let's say your prosperity funds will be the owner of it. Right. And it'll be like one copy. And then maybe, maybe also help me launch my own collection. I was, of know. course. <laughs> Okay, of we got we got we got to look out for the XRP family. You already know. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. I'm I'm you know I, I took a, a while to deep dive into this, and now you got me inspired. Like I really want to make a video about the process. Do it because my thing my thinking is always like, do it, and if it works great, and if it doesn't work, now you know how to do it better for the next round. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yep. that's what I think. Like I think that people are so afraid of failing that they never make a move. So it's like, it's like, whether it's asking out someone on a date, <laughs> whether it's, you know, a job promotion, whether it's, you know, even exercise or fitness, anything, uh, people are so afraid of failing or, or, or being or there. Rejection. And I, and I, what I've learned is that failure just leads you closer to success. Right. So. An L that, that's not a loss. It's a lesson. I like that. Yeah, like that's that's like the Wayne Gretzky. Like, yeah. You know, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take, you know? Yep. So you, you really, I, I really think of that as, as powerful. And for me, it's kind of like, I'm, if you miss the boat on Bitcoin and Ethereum, even if they go up to astronomical numbers in the future, like it's going to be even more astronomical if you buy something that's cheaper than it blows up. Yeah. So like, that's why I'm just like, oh, is XRP that next moonshot from the lower end? Meaning, are we starting from the bottom? Now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> The, the lawsuit is one of those things where, like, it could go horribly wrong if for some reason they lose, and we don't know, right? The, I think they're just not we're operating hoping, in the U.S. We're hoping that, we're hoping that they, they settle or win, but the reality is, operating you know, okay, so I always thought about this, the worst-case scenario, right? Like, worst-case scenario. Let's say it, becomes, it declares it a security. Okay, so now I own Ripple. Is that so bad? They're yeah. one of the best fintech companies. Yeah, then they'll just relocate out of the U.S. and go work and go. They'll relocate. They still are going to be used. Like I don't see it as like. I mean, I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's the end of Ripple. Yep. You know what I mean? If 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 they don't win the lawsuit, but I think they're more. If they were really worried that they could lose, you know, they would probably just pay the money. You yeah. know, this is all about money, power, and leverage. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. But I want to talk to you about this really quick. Okay, sure. Uh, Go ahead. Look at this. It says Bank of America CEO. We have hundreds of blockchain patents, but regulation won't allow us to engage in crypto. And we were talking about that. They, the big boys, want the regulation. They're they're in charge of a lot of money, right? Yeah. And we know <laughs> the key thing that I I've seen in this article right here is the blockchain patents. We do know that Ripple is in Bank of America's patents. Wow. Right? Have you seen that? Yeah, I, I believe I, I haven't yeah. seen it in a while, so I, want, I don't want to say for sure, but I believe I've seen something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just recently looked it up the other day, and I was like, oh, yeah? yeah, Ripple is in a bunch of their patents. They're crazy, man. Essentially utilizing Ripple's technology. That's sick. Or, I, I, I think that what's really happening is we'll have to see how the election plays out. I think yep. that's going to be uh, uh, particularly interesting. And it's interesting because, you know, the election will occur before the case ends. And the hard thing with the case is that, like, whenever you're going up against the government as a judge, right, you also have political ambitions, right? There's political ambitions that they want to succeed. So, and, and I don't know if you know, but like, if you go to like, you know, certain, uh, I don't know, federal courts or, or, or certainly the Supreme Court, you have to be approved by like Senate, uh, like people, like people in the Congress. 
Yep. So like there, there is like a little like, oh, shoot, am I going to get blowback on this or whatever? But from what I'm reading, nobody's really particularly happy with the SEC, certainly on the Republican side, but some even on the Dem side are, are just like, yo, this is enough. And um, what we're really hoping to see, I mean, I was at the Bitcoin uh, conference in Miami and um, shout out to Miami. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was really fun. I met, I met Dave Portnoy. Mm-hmm. I met uh, a bunch of like celebs. I also met uh, Senator Cynthia Loomis, who's part of the Loomis bill. She's partnering up with uh, Senator Kristen Gillibrand of New York. You have a Dem and a, and a Republican coming together to try to make some crypto legislation. So look out for that because they're, what they're trying to do is push most of the stuff to the CFTC. Come and the reason that we're pushing it to the CFTC, this Commodities Futures Trading Commission, is because they're just more chill with the regulation. And so therefore, they'll declare most things are now security, and then they don't have to register, and then it's like this CFTC. And what's interesting is, Gary Gensler basically said recently, who's the head of the SEC, oh, maybe Bitcoin is not a security. So he's basically unwilling, but basically has tacitly accepted that Bitcoin is not a security. The Justin Benham, or I think it's Benham, Justin and he's the new head of the CFTC, and he said that under oath in in Congress that Bitcoin and Ethereum are not securities. Yeah. Uh, so so, and and we know that the Hinman speech kind of gave ETH a, a free pass. So they're still dealing with that during the XRP lawsuit. But it looks like, at the very least, Bitcoin is kind of safe from regulation. Ethereum, maybe maybe not. We'll have to see. And XRP obviously has the case. Um, the case is happening. So we'll we'll have to see how this all plays out. But like I told you before. As much as I am on XRP, if after this Tuesday's conference, I think that it's going a different direction, if, if something happened to change my mind, I would de-risk not everything, but a, certainly a large portion and put that into, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, some other stuff. But for right now, I'm super bullish because I'm all in on XRP. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just pretty cool. I was actually doing some research on the, um, the XRP. By the way, if you guys are in any crypto project, you need to go to the website all the projects. So if you want to learn more about XRP, go to xrpl.org and learn. Like, you know, there's a hundred billion XRP. This is interesting. XRP is deflationary, but I always had these questions. And when I was doing the research, it was important to me. Like, are we going to run out of XRP? You know, like if it becomes so mass utilized, we're going to run out. So it says no need to worry about running out though. At the current rate of destruction, it would take at least 70,000 years to destroy all the XRP. (laughs) (laughs) XRP prices are to be adjusted as the total supply of XRP changes. So, and by the way, I think that also could be related to um, this. No one's really talked about that. I did bring it up in a, uh, in like a live with John Deaton, like a while back on, on Twitter, on crypto, uh, on crypto Twitter, I believe, Twitter spaces. But what I have found, and I think this is interesting, is when it comes to being security, the question is, do you have control over this, right? Are you yeah. a third party yeah. of control? And so there's two ways to look at control, right? One way to look at control is who actually maintains control on the ledger, right? On the system, on the crypto system. And so the way it works on XRP is 80% of the validator is going to decide. Now, Ripple only has about 6%, I believe, or less of the actual validators. So even though Ripple does a lot of stuff on XRP, in terms of the validators who actually control and vote, have voting control, they don't have a majority. They don't even have more than 10%. And you need 80% consensus to make changes on the XRP ledger. And so therefore they don't have the control. Therefore they are, they're kind of like a third party that's not a non-controlling party, an outside party on the XRP ledger. It does a lot, but doesn't mean they run it. 
But, but with other challenges, a lot of people say, well, they have so much XRP. By the way, it's an escrow, but yep. that, that's where I think, and no one has said this, but don't, don't think it's so crazy. I could potentially see whether it's through a settlement or court case that Ripple might decide to burn a portion of their XRP so that they have less than the majority of percentages. Because if the basis for how the SEC is determining, and this is what it sounds like, the SEC is determining that since Ripple owns the majority of XRP currently, um, that therefore they have control. So they're basing control off of the percentage owned, not based off of the validator. But we really know that the real control is based off of the validators making real decisions on the XRP, right? If Ripple made a decision and then 80% of the validators determined that they didn't want to do what Ripple said, they can shut down Ripple. The, the validators actually can decide on their own to burn XRP, Ripple's XRP supply. Did you know that? Like, that's crazy. No, no, that's amazing. So if the validators decided that they wanted to burn Ripple's XRP, they could decide tomorrow. We're voting, and Ripple would only have a 6% vote. And they could get burned <laughs> Like $50 billion worth of XRP could just go up in smoke um, if they wanted to. So that, that to me is a strong argument why, why XRP should not be a security. But if they were to push this whole narrative of, you know, whoever has the majority percentage is, the, is controlling it yeah. or making the market, then it's a simple solution. Just burn the XRP, right? I believe XLM did that as a preventatory measure. And part of it also, I think, is related to the fact that Ripple is a for-profit company. And a lot of, if you look, a lot of these cryptocurrencies, they have foundations, which are like independent, uh, non-for-profits, and so as opposed to a for-profit, and they're usually found in other countries. So the way a lot of these cryptocurrencies protect themselves is they make themselves a non-profit, not a for-profit company, and they establish their setup shop in a country outside the United States. That way, they're less likely to get hit by the SEC. That's what this is all about. And because Ripple is a for-profit company, in the United States, they were the first person to get dinged on by the SEC, but they've got the power and the money to hopefully put up a good fight. And I think that the reason, if XRP and Ripple doesn't win, which hopefully they'll win, but or, or settle appropriately, I mean, the whole market is going to be in turmoil because he's going to go after every altcoin. So if you're invested your life savings in an altcoin and they're claiming that Ripple is a, is a security... <laughs> Yo, you're in for a rude awakening, my guy. Like, that is going to be a very big problem. So even if you don't like XRP or you hate on XRP, like, if that goes down, the ship is going down, except for Bitcoin and maybe They're Ethereum. They're coming for everything. They're going to come for everything. They want it. They want it. That's how they get paid, right? They get paid. We're paying their salary, but the way they make, they justify their salary to Congress is look how much money we brought in from settlements and fines. So... Yep. You know, that's really, that's really what's happening, man. And I think Hester Pierce, who's, you know, they call her crypto mom, yep, crypto said it best. She's, she said, SEC is supposed to be a regulatory agency with an enforcement division, not an enforcement agency. Exactly. And so it's like, what, where is their real role? And I think they've overstepped their role and we're going to see how it plays out in the elections and, 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 and we'll see what happens. But I believe if the Republicans take over, um, it's going to be a, a bad day for Gary Gensler coming in and schlepping into the Congress and having to face all these senators' questions on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. hey, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Well, so, down. <laughs> I'm not one for political, you know, choices, but from an economics perspective and certainly from a comedy perspective, it would be great. It would be a great, a great, a great I think, show to I watch. think he'll step down. He'd have to step down. Even though we'll, he, we'll he, have to see. We'll have he to loves see. the Why power not? that he, he he's has or potentially can get. 
He's, and I heard people are just quitting on him. Like he has very bad uh, yeah. approach. Like he's not giving people time off. Like if anything, I may, I feel like that. Too, that I know, I'm not saying there's maybe some sort of internal sabotage, but like, yo, if you don't give me my work days off. <laughs> wow. You know, I'm not making any claims on that. That would be funny. But yeah, I, I just think that um, where we are is just beautiful. I think what's to come is beautiful. What to come is going to change everything we thought we knew about crypto in the next few years. Um, I can't imagine what crypto is going to look like in, you know, 2025, right? 2027. Right. Um, with, with ISO 2022 coming in, right? That's that's like the narrative that everyone's, that's all I see in my comments. Only by ISO, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it, you know? It's like Algorand, um, the Digital Pound Foundation, right? Which is interesting. And I still think Apex that 2025 is, is right. And I still think that ISO 2022 is is an important factor. But a lot of people think that like, oh, this is a compliant crypto. Like, don't forget, all the other cryptos have until 2025 to get in that same thing. Yep. So, you know, just the early adopters to that system. It doesn't mean that the other cryptos can't become ISO 2022. Like, for example. The Cardano founder, Hoskinson, came out and said, well, we're going to look into becoming ISO 222. So I, I don't think that that means that other cryptos can't become ISO 222. I just think that means these are the early adopters. And so the impression is, since these are early adopters, it's more likely that these would be chosen as the as these networks kind of roll out. That's so, why I was, I was also thinking, yeah. like, does, that's why does, does ADA look... Like Charles Hawkinson, does he does he seem some some people think he's crazy, right? Because he's like so bullish on his project. Obviously, he loves it. That's his baby, right? He wasn't for Ethereum launching in 2012 prematurely, right? He knew that it's a sinking ship. It's not gonna be scalable. It's gonna have its problems. ADA has not fully been full go yet, right? Um, some people have said that it is, but I don't. It's not fully utilized as it should be, right? And it's been around. Wow. People have been holding ADA for years. Right? It hasn't been fully utilized. And I see this eighty. And you look at the problems going on, right? Luna takes off, dies. Avax is is doing well, but you got Solana tries to take off, has VC backing, sputters up and down, crash, crash and burn. ADA is sitting back like we're still taking our time, building now, making sure our things work, and then when we're ready to go, we're ready to go. And I think ADA potentially is going to wait, in my opinion, for Ethereum merger to complete to be able to piggyback off of Ethereum and be interoperable with each other. I don't know why. I know that there's a bridge being built for Ethereum and ADA, um, or if it's already built. That's my opinion. I think ADA essentially will be one of the ones left standing through a purge on top of XRP. I don't know why. I just, uh, it's I possible. I mean, I, it's hard because they don't I'm have not a lot of traction. I was at one point, but not anymore. Yeah, I, I don't hold any Cardano. I don't yeah. have anything against it. I think the guy in charge of it, he's actually been sympathetic to the whole Ripple thing so mm -hmm. he's got kind of my good graces on that but uh in terms of uh in terms of you know you you, you only have like i said earlier you only have a limited pie in text. and like there's a lot of people out there who say you just put like a thousand dollars in everything right <laughs> you put a thousand dollars in everything and one thing's gonna hit and you might even if one thing hits and it goes 10x if you put it at the hundred cryptos you're gonna end up with a lot of losses too so you have to think about that and so my position has been stick with a lower, a smaller amount of crypto, a smaller number, I should say, smaller number of cryptos with larger volumes of yeah. tokens and clients. That's, that's so like beautiful. for my example, I would much rather have a million XRP or five Bitcoin or a hundred ETH or something like that, as opposed to thousand XRP, a thousand 
you know, big. Don't uh, spread yourself. So yeah. You spread yourself too thin. Yourself thin you, yeah. you might not, you might hit one thing or two things, but if you don't, then you lost all your money, right? And you don't really make any major gains. So kind of have to make the most educated bet um, on your top choices. And obviously, like that's for me, I look for you know, is there are the fundamentals good? Are the tokenomics good? Are the partnerships good? And are there major catalysts that are coming up? And we mentioned in part one of the series podcast here, you know, the catalyst, that there is a catalyst for Bitcoin coming up, a catalyst for Ethereum, a catalyst for XRP. You know, maybe there's a catalyst for Chainlink with CCIP. Maybe there's a category, you know, you have to find catalysts. Otherwise, why are those going to go up, right? Yes. And, and the other thing with the interoperability tokens is like, those are long-term solutions, right? You're also making a bet, not only that everything's going to be interoperable, that those networks themselves won't create their own solutions, right? Mm -hmm. So the question is, A, not is your crypto just good in the short term, but will it be needed and around in the long term without with potentially new competition coming in? So don't get me wrong. I still think Quan is a cool hold. I still think Chainlink is a good hold, but those are not my bear market holds because, like, as you've seen, when people get scared in bear market, they shift their money back into Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum, maybe XRP, like the bigger major the major tokens because yeah. those have like the most volume the most liquidity you have the best chance of selling and getting out right you'll see like, you look at the altcoins they, they're the ones that bleed the most right if bitcoin drops 50 percent, the alt shops 90 percent. that's just how it goes yeah at least at least for now we'll see what happens in the future you know <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm like my portfolio when i started was growing in a sense of the amount of tokens different types of tokens i had and i i I shifted towards like, okay, I want to start funneling the money and moving it around to ones I really, really believe in. And I really want to hold on and leaving like a little percentage that's, oh, this one went up 30%. Take a little profit there. Like, you know what I mean? Like the little flip plays, day trading, like like buying engine. Yeah, you can scalp six and cents, then you can make some, yeah. Selling it at $1.80, right? Like, and moving in and out of it. But like the ones I'm holding long term, XRP is one, LCX is number two. And then I have um, Quant. In K KDA, Cadena, and then Alliance Block. And then from there, I have Flow, which is, I love Flow, the blockchain. And then, yeah, I had Avalanche. I had a lot of Avalanche. I got hacked. So I lost all my, all my I, man, it was bad. I had a decent amount of Avalanche and I lost it all. So How'd you get hacked? What happened? I don't know. It's just, I'm just I, I was um, going to transfer it to, um, I was actually going to transfer to uh, to a secure, like, to Coinbase wallet, and then I, I need to get a ledger, but I'm gonna trans I was going to transfer to my Coinbase wallet just because I, I want it over there. It was on my MetaMask, my Avalanche. And I went and checked my Avalanche. I was like, why do I have zero? Like, zero. I thought it was a glitch, you know? Like, I just kept refreshing it, and I was like, all right, let me go check. Let me just go on and check my um, my Snowtrace, right, which is the, the transactions of everything that's happened with my wallet. Right, right. So I went, and I saw in the morning someone transferred all my Avalanche. <laughs> granted like it was like i had a, a few on coinbase already but the amount that was taken wasn't a lot it was like 13 avalanche at the time that was before avalanche everything crashed i was like so it was like 1300 bucks so i had 13 right. avalanche and i was accumulating it i was like slowly accumulating my avalanche right into there and i'm like i like avalanche and, and it just i just was like wait a minute why is this gone it just it just was gone it just was it transferred to a different wallet and the guy transferred like half of it out it was just gone and i was like Oh my God! This is like this is the second time I got hacked. The first wow. time I got hacked, my LCX got taken. But oh my gosh. I, was, I was just looking like, like I was just shocked. I was like, "All right, well, happened again." I literally, there's no reason to have emotion towards it. There's no reason to to you know like 
stress over it. I made a video on TikTok like, yeah, I uh, be careful of, you know, doing this and this. I don't even think I promote. I said that I got hacked. I think I did. I don't remember. But I remember saying, like, hey, this is how you make sure you Listen, disconnect. It can happen to anybody. I mean, yeah. the, the, hey. You disconnect. But my whole thing is, like, a lot of people are right into these DeFi platforms and crazy yields. I tend to shy away from those because I'm not, like, you need to be docs. Like, you need to know who the people are. There's accountability of like what's yeah. what and so for me i like the as much as like you know you would say get off a central like for me it's either put it all in a ledger or in a very well trusted well funded well insured centralized exchange like coinbase. <laughs> like, like 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 a coinbase or i mean i don't like coinbase personally Coin I, I actually i put my money on coinbase to transfer money in and out but that's what I'll, i've been doing every, that's what i've been doing so for everything else though i trade on things like KuCoin, vault KuCoin. i was using nexo uh vault for me is is is, is where i'm keeping everything because um or, or ledger because you don't use nexo anymore not right now because they they stopped allowing new uh, customers to come and earn interest oh my xrp and, is still earning interest on there i haven't, I haven't right so if you that. ever move it off yeah. that that's one thing and the yeah. other part is they give you a cap on Nexo, how much you can earn interest on Vold? There's no cap. Ah. Yeah. No cap. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> but, uh, but but so there's no cap. The reason I like Vold better, first of all, I spoke to their institutional team. I spoke to the two leaders at Vault. Like I was like, yo, I want to know what's going on before I put massive capital onto your platform or whatever, or the ledger. I wanted to know what's going on. So and because they're they're actually a, a startup based out of Singapore who became a crypto lending platform. They, their custodian is Bitco Custodian, so it's legit. And um, they've been invested in by major corporations, including Coinbase Ventures, invested yeah. in Vault, Pantera Capital, invested in Vault. So that that gave me a lot more confidence about it. But um, but they're based in Singapore. A lot of them are based in India. But it's a very interesting exchange because you can earn XRP even if you're new. They let you earn on Quant, which is like super cool. I never saw that before. You could earn, I think it's only 1%, but you could earn a quite, I think XRP could earn up to 7%. And the crazy part for me was um, you can borrow, but it's, it's in a bull market, it's good, in a bear market, it's bad. Uh, but basically, they let you borrow up to 66% on the dollar. So if you have a dollar, they let you borrow 66 cents. If you have a thousand, they let you borrow 666 bucks, 10 grand, $6,600. That's a lot of money that you could borrow um against your crypto to expand your holdings so my whole theory is like when you're in a bull market you can expand your leverage not financial advice but when you're in a bear market close the leverage so i actually had a lot of leverage during the bull market and so i had all these altcoins and then as we started going bearish i removed two-thirds of my leverage so i closed out a lot of my alt positions not that i don't want to hold those but that as soon as the market starts to turn around i'll reopen those positions back up I don't see a benefit to holding those in the short term without a catalyst, short-term catalyst. Like, so things that I have, I, I, I like HBAR, I like Algorand, I like Quant, I, but I don't see, if without a short-term catalyst in a bear market, you see what's happening to the price, right? The price is dropping. And so when I, that's why I look at the ones that have the most volume, because I'll know that there's exit liquidity in a bear market. Because I look at it, like if, even if you look at Algorand or, XLM or quant, and you look at the volume of that versus XRP, it's like XRP is like moving over a billion dollars a day. And then, you know, maybe quant is like 60 million a day, yeah. you know, yeah. so just, just understand the volume uh, metric. I think that's, that's really critical for, for, especially for a bear market, but certainly be careful if you're playing with leverage. Um, I don't use traditional longing and shorting leverage. I just use it as 
I borrow and pay a low interest rate. So if I, let's say I borrow, I don't know, let's just say $100,000, right? So let's say, you know, they'll let me borrow $100,000. I'll take that 100,000. I'll buy more XRP with it and then I'll wait, right? And if it goes up, then I can pay back that loan plus yeah. the interest and I'll make that spread. Whereas if you're in a bear market, you have to be careful so you don't get liquidated and their liquidation rate is 110%. Yep. So I never got liquidated but to, I, because I sold other cryptos my position so that's why i'm always like into this expand yourself when you're in a bull market in my leverage strategy and again not financial advice everyone's gonna do what's right for them but in a bear market i expand with leverage i'm sorry i contract my leverage in a bull market i expand my leverage because the question is which way is the market going up and if you think that bitcoin is going to drop down to 18 to 22,000, which it is still possible that it could happen if that's the case you want to reduce your leverage so you don't get literally liquidated out of all your positions yep. right um, and, and, and when you're in a bull market, you know, if you if you think that, you know, now Bitcoin hit 36, 38, 40 thousand dollars and now it's going back to 100 K or something. And hey, then maybe you open up those leverage positions because now the altcoins that you buy will ride up the wave. You can make a larger, a larger multiple. So that's kind of just my strategy on that. So I had, let's say, three times as much leverage that I did yeah. now. And now I have yeah. like basically one third of my original leverage position. I still have some leverage, but enough to pad me so that even if. There is volatility in the market. It'll still protect my my position. Yeah, that's a very very like me. My even like I'm the, the investor. Like my 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 bags. I'm holding them right, even though they're down, and I'll accumulate. I'll I dollar cost average right. My XRP. I have it uh, stored on XO, and I have it stacked, and then I'm waiting to buy. I'm not gonna buy more unless it goes under you know thirty five cents, thirty cents. That's when I'll buy more. And right. I'm focusing on LCX. I'm focusing on Quant. I'm focusing on Alliance Block, other projects. And I'm buying these tokens right now during this time. And that's right. just me. I have no, I don't really have any purpose for Bitcoin. I don't uh, really care to uh, basically purchase Bitcoin because I feel like that's like wealth. You need to have wealth and big capital to put into Bitcoin, in my opinion. I'd rather purchase Ethereum in, in that, in that if I had that logic, right? There's more bang for my buck in regards. I, I know that you can use Bitcoin as a store of value, but whereas I have dabbled in the DeFi space, I have bought nodes, I have staked, I did do yield farming, I have done, you know, I was in time, got wrecked on time. Like I was, you know, the Avalanche, like Wonderland. So I was in all of that, and how I, how I maneuvered through the space is I'm just, you know, focusing on the, the ones that I think will be here in the long term, and hopefully I'm right, but... XRP is something that I'm not going to hold forever either. Like, I'm going to sell if it hits $10, right? Or all time high, I'm taking a percentage out. If it hits all $10, I'm taking a percentage out. I'm not going right. to, you know, I'm, and then eventually I hope to be able to gain good, massive wealth from it and be able to go back into it, but then utilize it as its ecosystem. Be able to buy NFTs with it, be able to use a smart, be able to use it. Right. As you know what I'm saying? And, and the question is let's say, let's fast forward. It's 2025. You're now a multimillionaire, right? So, mm -hmm. What do you do with that money? You pull it all out. Do you hold a portion, right? So my my, you have to think of like what is my exit I'm strategy? I'm gonna make, it, to make it? more money for with it, right? So I, I think the safest way to play it, and I think that USDC is probably gonna be the stable coin that's used, uh, or something similar. Um, I recently heard a, a, a Ripple X developer person um, say something to the effect that they might put, uh, oh yeah, the richest man in battle. Yeah, just <laughs> so, multiply. So like. Exactly. So, so for me, it's kind of like, 
I my strategy, at least temporarily, would be if I got if I got massive accumulation. Step one: move to Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just kidding. Stop. I'm moving to Florida this summer, by the way. So oh, you are. That's I'm nice. Florida. Come visit. Come visit. We're moving down to South Florida. I'm, I'm, and, I'm gonna um, go. You're gonna, you're yeah, gonna relocate there and live there. You're gonna get like a. a I'm gonna yeah. I'm living there. Got a house there um, in South Florida, and um, and. And it, listen, if it really hits, I'm not going to be satisfied with no state income tax, you know? I'll move to Puerto Rico with Logan Paul, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, I, I got no problems. I'll set up doctor's appointments. I'll set, I'll, you know, I'll go to the local schools. I'll do the whole thing. I'll live there for a couple of years, you know, whatever. Um, and I'll do everything 100% kosher, you know, legit. Um, and, uh, and so from my perspective is... Uh, is that would be that would be step A, but I would probably put it in stable coins, not like Carolina stable coins. Yeah, but I, yeah. I would put it in maybe something like a USDC, something that is backed by a reserve, and possibly the ones that are in the central banks. So like the safer ones, the ones that are backed by BlackRock and whatever. And I'd probably earn you know an eight to twelve percent yield on my money while I wait, and so then that will compound, and you know while I'm and I'll and I'll live off of the proceeds. Yeah, so like it would be amazing. That's a dream come true. That's the end game. Right. Like if you, if you, if you, have, if you made a million dollars in crypto, right. And then you put it in and you earn like a 12%, you can make 120 K a year after taxes. That gives you like, you know, your like livable income. And then whatever you make anywhere else is just like, you know, for everything else that you need. So yeah. that's in that. And you can, you can imagine that the larger your portfolio gets, the bigger that is. Right? If your portfolio becomes $5 million, you're earning a half a million at 10% a year yeah. without doing anything. Yep. So that it's just crazy to think about like how that works. So if you're a guy, a really wealthy person, and you put $10 million into a fund and that earns 10%, you're earning a million dollars a year without lifting a finger. Of that million dollars, you'll have to pay taxes or whatever, but you know, hey, you can. it's still better than putting it in a bank <laughs> and losing money in the bank. Like you're losing money in the bank because yep. even though you're technically increasing the dollar amount by like 0. 0.000, inflation is eight plus percent, and therefore, the value of that money is decreasing over time. And also, the value of money—if you learn when you go to business school, you learn TVM, time value of money—which means that money is worth more today than it is in the future. So, yeah. money now yeah. is better. Like if someone told you, "I could give you, you know, a half a million dollars today, or a million dollars in like two years," I would probably take the half a million today because I could turn that half a million into a lot more than two million over the course of a two-year period. Yeah. Right? <laughs> So that's just something to think about when you're when you're planning ahead. Um, yeah, but this, yeah, this, this, this was this was fun. I enjoyed this podcast. Yeah, man. man. People got a lot of value. I think a lot of people got a lot of value from this. People are gonna learn a lot about finance. You guys need to follow Prosperity Fund on TikTok, on Twitter, on YouTube. I have everything linked in the description um, in the preview video, and I have it this video. But once again, I think we'll leave it at that. <laughs> this was like a two-hour episode. Realistically, this, this is definitely one of the longer podcasts I've done. <laughs> it was awesome, though. But hey, it was that, a good combo. It was a good combo. I that, learned a lot. No, I learned a lot too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm serious. Like, I will be reaching out to you in regards to the the NFT. Um, definitely, I'll be making content about that too. Um, thank you to you for giving me that that extra motivation to do so. But yeah, man, it was great. Um, I think people are gonna take a lot of value, get a lot a lot of value from this. And I can't wait to have you back on again sometime soon. But, yeah, you guys follow Prosperity Fund on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Hey, brother, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It was awesome. Let's go. Let's go. To the moon. To the moon. Yeah.